0: excited to have you join us on a very special chapel this morning Uh, because of our interterm schedule trying to do justice to dr king's legacy is hard and so we wanted to set aside this friday as a a morning to to acknowledge what he did what he continues to do even after his his assassination Um, dr king is the only person um, who we have a federal holiday for that is a non-president he was a Baptist pastor, a social activist, and uh, the driving force be behind the civil rights movement in the 1960s. The Montgomery Bus Boycott, the March on Washington, the Southern Christian leadership, um, uh, all were part of his legacy that continues today, to, to this day. To kick off our chapel, I would like to pray one of Dr. King's prayers. So if you'd bow your heads with me his words. We thank thee, O God, for the spiritual nature of man. We are in nature, but we live above nature. Help us never to let anybody or any condition pull us so low as to cause us to hate. Give us strength to love our enemies and to do good to those who despitefully use us and persecute us. We thank thee for thy church founded upon thy word that challenged us to do more than just sing and pray. To go out and work as though the very answer to our prayers depended on us and not on thee. Then finally, help us to realize that man was created to shine like stars and live through all eternity. Keep us, we pray, in perfect peace. Help us to walk together, pray together, sing together, and live together until that day when all God's children, black, white, red, and yellow, will rejoice in our common band of humanity in the kingdom of our Lord and of our God. We pray this. I'm very excited today to introduce to you Marvin Daniels. He is the executive director of the Hope Center in Kansas City. Um, He uh, he most recently served before then as the vice president of leadership at kids across America and that's where I first met him and have known a number of kids who who have worked there and come under his influence. He's also the founder of beyond the norm a training program that provides transformational skills for transformational ministry. He's been a youth pastor, a professor. He and his wife have been speaking at colleges all over the place, I understand, in the the past few weeks. And and I am excited for the wisdom, the perspective and the love of Jesus that he's going to bring to us this morning. Um, It's my pleasure to introduce to you Marvin Daniels. Thank you so much. Thanks,
1: Brother Dean. Appreciate it. Good morning. Good to be back here in the house of Sterling College and the opportunity to share with you again today. Even the balcony is full today. I'm, I, I'm so appreciative of Sterling responding to this chapel in this manner. Um, because this is somewhat, somewhat like home, I am um, just want to be grateful for all those who are here and, and for your president and faculty members, but most importantly, of course, for the student body that is here. Uh, for those of you who don't know my Carmel Queen, that's Miss Angie Daniels sitting right there in her fineness, you know, and so, <laughs> King, Dr. King has his legacy, I'm building mine with a wife of 28 years, 29 next month, 29 years married, five children, um, Malachi, who's 24, will be 25, Isaiah, they call him the boom on the football field, he's 22. Um, Mike is 20, going to be 21 next month as well. Um, Imani is the princess, a freshman at MSU, um, who's 19, and then Nia, the baby girl, who's 16. So uh, people talk about youth ministry, we decided to implement it ourselves. (laughs) Hey, listen, this this Brooklyn-born man in front of you have had the privilege of seeing God do some incredible things in our lives, and today... I want to take this time just to to share with you about what it really means to keep living the dream. You all know this song. Maybe you can sing it with me just for a moment. Um, It goes like this. Jesus loves the little children, right? All the children of the world, red and yellow, they are Jesus. And you know what, and that's true, we have experienced that when we were in kindergarten, preschool, we would hear these songs. But somehow by the time you get to college, that song means something totally different. Somehow when you get to college, something has happened along your journey and all of a sudden those words are not as meaningful as they used to be when you sung them when you were in kindergarten. It is true that Christians... We, we use the word of God as the lens for how we live. The problem with that is that we have filters that all of us utilize that get in the way. These filters really are designed by where we have lived, our education, our environment, our, our engagement with the culture in which we live in. And all those things shape our filters. And therefore, shape how we see God's word and how we actually practice it. Dr. King talked about a, a nation that would be unified. And we would recognize that even today in this particular nation, that freedom is displayed differently, particularly when you talk about brown and black citizens of this country. This church, the body of Christ. Have somehow in the last decade or so have remained silent in the midst of the culture. Matter of fact, we've become so partisan that we've left and lost our prophetic voice in the culture. Pastor King said, I refuse to accept the view that mankind is so tragically bound to the starless midnight of racism and war that the bright daybreak of peace and brotherhood can never become a reality. He said, I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love truly has the final word. I really do believe, y'all, that this generation, your generation, not mine, your generation will be the generation that realigns the church to once again become the prophetic, prophetic voice in culture. And allow us to be God's representation on this earth. It's you. Father, right now, we just pray that as we dive into your word in Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29, that as I just take a moment with our students and faculty members and administrators, that God, you would just help us to see the truth of living a dream in the midst of a culture that is greatly in need of you. For us, in Jesus' name we pray. And together we say, Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 through 29, Paul shares with the church of Galatia that Jesus himself is the one that makes a difference for those who desire to follow him. That it's Jesus that makes the difference in how we actually relate with one another. It is Jesus who promises us this forever community. Here at Sterling, and afterwards we're going to have a Q&A time, and I hope as many of you who can come will come, because when it comes to talking truth and speaking truth, it should be able to happen in the body of Christ more than any other place. But Jesus invites you and I, through the lips of Paul, to begin to understand three observations that I want to make this morning with you. About if we're going to have an impact upon this culture the way we should. If we're going to really see not just Dr. King... But see, the dream of reconciliation and oneness actually be lived out is going to have to come from the church. Beginning at Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, the Bible says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. Therefore, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, and your ears according to his promise. Three things I want to make in observation. First of all, we are part of one family. We are part of one family. How many of you have grown up in what we call homogeneous communities? In other words, you grew up in an all-white community. You grew up in an all-black community. You grew up in an all-Latino community. You had a specific cultural group where you grew up in that community. Let me see your hands. Okay. How many of you grew up in what we call a heterogeneous community, where it was several cultures together? Okay, good. When Paul was addressing the church, he wanted them to truly understand that when you become a believer, when you become a believer, all the things that you once embraced gets abandoned. And you understand that you are now baptized, that word baptized is not being dipped in water, it means identification. You are now identified as part of a family, the family of God. My parents grew up in a different generation, in the rural South, in South Carolina. When they migrated to Brooklyn, New York, they had a different perspective about their relationships with white people. When I grew up, they would tell me I can trust a white person as far as I can spit them. That was their encounter and their experience. When I became a believer, Even in the interactions that I had prior to that, Galatians 3, verse 26, kicked into effect. He says, Marvin, you are now part of one family. That Latin word is "probus unum. Many are now one. You get the opportunity to be a part of a family, and God does not bless what we pretend we are. If we family, we family. God doesn't bless what we pretend to be. Martin Luther King Jr. said these words, whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be. This is the interrelated structure of reality. Jesus says this in John 13, 34 and 35, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And get this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Listen, we don't need stage love. I don't want to pretend that I love my wife in public. She needs to know I love her in private. She needs to know that I'm committed to her when nobody else is looking. See, stage love is not what Jesus died for. It's the purity and authenticity of that love. Let me explain. When me and my boy Bill Tetro, you can't be no more white than Bill Tetro. He's from South Dakota, red hair. Blue eyes, white skin, white as snow. You can't be no more white than Bill. In New York, me and Bill were together. His name was Bill Tetro. And we were a part of a team in the ministry of Young Life. When Bill and I traveled throughout the city together, when we were in the hood, guys knew Bill's okay because he with me. When they try to front Bill, I stepped in. I said, nah, that's my brother, y'all. Y'all got to welcome him just like you welcome me. Y'all. And I'm willing to throw hands on his behalf. When I was in the white community and Bill heard certain things, Bill interrupted language. Bill said, this is my brother you're talking about. When we were driving on the highway and the police stopped, I was driving in one car and Bill was driving in another. The police got behind me with his sirens and pulled me over, and Bill pulled over too. When he came and approached my car window, Bill got out of his car and was walking towards him. And he looked and turned around and he saw Bill, and he says, hey, you got a problem? Bill says, well, if you pulled him over, you pulled me over because we're together. We're a brother. It's a brother. And that's what we're talking about is, He says, we love one another so deeply. And King says, we're so interrelated with each other that if something affects you, it affects me. If something impacts you, it impacts me. You don't go it alone in the body of Christ. We go together. The world is asking this question. What do you have, church, that we need? And our response got to be, The God that empowers us to do the things that don't come natural for us to do. That's what makes us different. That I can love somebody even though I don't want to love them. It's not natural for me to love them. But I can. I can be truthful to individuals as I share with them the truth in love because I value them. I can walk in purity and keep my zipper up because I got a God that can empower me to do so and walk in purity. I can act justly and interrupt any other language that I know is not of value from the distinctive individual that is in the image of God, that if it doesn't validate who they are, I can interrupt it. Why? Why? part of the body of Christ. I am the child of God through faith for all who are were baptized into Christ and I've clothed myself with Christ. The authenticity of faith is not based upon what I preach or how I sing, it's how I live. It's what I do. Second of all, he says there's neither Jew nor Gentile, there's neither slave nor free, nor there's male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Not only do we, are we a part of one family, but we also possess one fellowship. One fellowship. I want to tell you a secret today God is not colorblind. Matter of fact, God's not blind at all. There is no such thing as being color blind. To be color blind says that I no longer accept what God has imprinted upon you and value that. Just because we're different don't mean we have to be divided. God specializes in the uniqueness of difference. We keep confusing unity with homogeneity. That's not unity. Oneness is not sameness. For if we were all the same, only one of us would be necessary. God has created even in the heavenlies a diversity amongst the angels, the seraphims, and the cherubims. This is a generation that you're living in where there's been more interracial dating, and more interracial relationships than there ever have been in any time in our history as a nation. Your generation, you have the ability to appreciate cultures. You should value your own culture so that you can value the culture of others. I love the church we were a part of, a multi-ethnic church where you had 18 different languages being spoken. We had the best potlucks ever, world fest. And this diversity that God gives us to be able to appreciate among each other stems from Acts chapter 17, verse 26. Acts 17, verse 26. It's Bible, y'all. From one man, he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth, And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. Diversity is God's idea. And his idea is bigger than you and I. That's why we can value it. That's why white folk can enjoy fried chicken, candy yams, collard greens, cabbage. That's why I can also enjoy casseroles and pot pies. But that's also why you and I can go to Chinese restaurants and Italian restaurants and Mexican restaurants and Indian restaurants because we like variety. We appreciate it. It's what God designed for all of us to enjoy and to benefit from. God's idea is better than our idea. And once you give up on what you had in mind, You can experience what God has in mind. See, living a dream in this culture today allows you and I as the body of Christ to engage with each other. And to have authentic relationship with each other. Not to look at each other as if we're some foreign image. Ooh, can I touch your hair? No, you can't touch my hair. My hair is uniquely designed for me. It's not designed for you to be for it, for it to be some form of science project for you. But we can talk. We can engage with each other. The idea of white superiority stems not from scripture. That's a faulty ideology stem from oppression. But in the body of Christ, we gather together, and we can walk in love. You get the privilege of doing what I had the privilege of doing just for a short time. You get the privilege of doing it for an entire school year, semester after semester. I'll never forget, as a college student, I was, I was on a summer project with Campus Crusade for Christ in Washington, Washington D.C. It was 27 of us, 19 males, 18 females. Only two of us was African-American, me and Mikey, Mike from Jackson, Mississippi. And we had lived together from May to August. We lived in a frat house called Alpha Gamma Row House on the University of Maryland campus. And it was great for the first day. You know how it is when you first meet individuals, you're in polite discussion. But when you got to live together, you move from polite discussion to dialogue. Man, don't be washing your hair in the sink. I got to brush my teeth in the sink. You, know, you call that macaroni and cheese? I mean, we went—we were going in with each other as we were sharing our differences and—and and not only our differences but stereotypes. The things we thought were true about each other. Matter of fact, we engaged with each other in such a way that there were times when we would spend f- till midnight, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, and we would talk about things that we dealt with about each other, our own racial stereotypes, what we thought about each other, our own perspectives, things that we say that was offensive to each other. And we would spend this time as the body of Christ diving with each other. Because I like Nancy Lane. From Georgia. Huh? I, I, I say, of course you got a certain stereotypes that you grew up with in Georgia, but I got certain stereotypes about you being from Georgia. And we had to engage together in that. And we had to have dialogue with each other, y'all, and get into each other's heart. I cared about her. I cared about David Young, I cared about those guys enough for us to be able to dialogue with each other in real time. And there was moments we had to agree to disagree but in our disagreement would not keep us from being brother and sister together that I will see the world different than the way they see the world the lens of scripture I will look at a little bit differently than they look at but we can still walk together as brothers and sisters why because in the kingdom there's no distinctions. In the kingdom, we're all one. One in the body. My, my mother and father are so delighted in my wife. They were so scared I was going to bring home my white girl. <laughs> hey, They were petrified. You know. And I was a kaleidoscope brother. I love women. It didn't matter what color they were. yo. Know. Yeah, I, I love women. I, I'm just telling you, uh, that's just who I, I, I love women. And so I had to reorder that. You know, we've gotten into conversations about homosexuality on that. And I would say, look, I know that's a struggle for others. It's not my struggle. The only thing a homosexual could do for me is to introduce me to his sister. But I, and that was me. You know, that's how I was. But as a new creation in Christ, I recognize that the beauty of oneness is not sameness. That we can enjoy relationships with each other. And they really, truly love my wife because they got a chance to know who she is as a follower of Jesus. And that made all the difference in their lives. My my son's dating a beautiful young lady who's biracial. And I want her to be able to enjoy what that really means. I'm not claiming her only her blackness. I'm claiming her whiteness as well. It's a part of her heritage and who she is. So if you're biracial today, you don't have to be pressured to lean one way or the other. Both are true of you. And so we enjoy that because oneness does not mean sameness. Thirdly, he says, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and you is according to the promise. Third thing, we are promised a future together, one future. Inclusiveness of God's grace is what ends racial prejudice, classism, superiority, hopelessness. It's understanding this inclusiveness of grace, the beauty of grace. That faith makes the difference between where you are right now and where you want to be. That's the beauty of it, is that you and I will have the opportunity for all of eternity. And this is true for those of you who are followers of Jesus. If you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he resides in your heart. And he's changed your destiny for all of eternity. And a promise is for all of eternity that all of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, who walks with him and follows him, I'm not just talking about talking to talk, I'm talking about follows him. Because there will come the time when he will say, depart from me, I never knew you, if you don't have an authentic relationship with him. Because that authentic relationship crosses cultures. That authentic relationships allows you to see the dignity of humanity. That authentic relationship allows someone to be your sister and brother who's a part of the body of Christ, and you treasure and value them. And you have the power, I have the power to do that on earth while I'm awaiting heaven. This inclusivity of grace is a blessing because I can extend it the only way that you really have authentic relationship with each other is that you got to admit certain things. you got to admit that our history leaves out a whole lot of information and it's possible that you grew up in great ignorance when it comes to understanding the history of this nation. It's important for you to be able to value your Native American brothers and sisters who are the silent voices in our culture. When they look at the flag, they see the flag differently than you may see it. African Americans may see the flag differently from where you see it. It's important for you to understand and be willing to love somebody enough to hear their story. And understand that the story is what determines who they are. And then you wrap their story with their relationship with Jesus. And what a beautiful picture you have. We don't have to walk in intentional ignorance. Not as the body of Christ. Because the world is watching us and saying, what's so different about you? They're not going to make things justly. How do you expect justice from unjust people? That's not going to come from them. But it ought to come from the body of Christ. When we offend each other, we should be able to go and talk to each other. We should be able to extend grace to understand each other. We should be able to move towards a loving relationship with each other. The black family is a miracle in this nation. That God's hands, in the midst of all the tragedy that has been experienced, the Native American context, all the tragedy has been experienced, is God's hands and his grace. And so we celebrate it. You celebrate black history for a month because it's been omitted in the history of this country. But, y'all, we want to treasure this. Martin Luther King Jr. couldn't have been successful at seeing change in government if his white brothers didn't come down to be a part of it. If you watch every single production in his marches, you will see a white male face. You'll see a white female face. Barack Obama became president, not because 12% of the population voted for him, of African Americans. And so we recognize that it takes all of us to be able to unify the body of Christ. Kurt Franklin and Mandisa and Toby Mac decided to tell a story and song in a different way. I want you to take a look at this clip as we begin to understand that you and I are entrusted, We're being able to live this dream, not simply because of us being humans in humanity, but because of the divinity that now resides within the life of the believer, that you have the power to walk it out and to live it out. We have authentic relationships cross-cultural, and it has enriched our lives tremendously in the body of Christ, but just personally with who we are. And I will never trade being an African-American male, ever. But that doesn't mean that I can't value everybody else. Because if I appreciate the dignity of humanity that God has given me, then it gives me the ability to appreciate the dignity of humanity of everyone else. We all bleed the same.
0: Go ahead, take a look at this. Marvin, we wanna thank you for your wisdom, your passion, your love of Sterling College and your willingness to pour into our lives. We also want to invite you, he talked about dialogue today at lunch. If you want to continue this dialogue, grab your food, grab your lunch, come on over to the West Calf at 1145, we will start a Q&A where you can pose questions and you can continue to have these type of real conversations that are necessary. If we're gonna get past our differences, and realize what unity in Christ really means. So we invite all of you to join us. Uh, Some of you have a class, we know. But uh, again, 1145, the Q&A will start. Just grab your food. I don't know what they're serving today, but uh, bring it on over and uh, bring your questions. Let me pray and dismiss you. Lord, thank you again for... your word and the truth that's in it. Thank you that in Christ Jesus. Those differences. Become so much less significant significant than the oneness we have in him. And I pray that you would use each student, each faculty, each staff. And this auditorium today that you would do something in our hearts. That Sterling College would be a catalyst, not just in Sterling, Kansas. But in our homes, in the places we go, in the careers that we have, throughout the world, that there would be a change that takes place, because we love you, and you first loved us, and you 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 changed us in some way. So we thank you. We go in your name, and we look forward to continuing this dialogue. Pray all this in Jesus' name.